think this is where I'm supposed to be at. I don't want to mess up any chords or anything. Hope everybody is doing well today. Um, it's good to be with you guys on this day of love and on this day of thanks. I mean, not Thanksgiving. I do love Thanksgiving, but on this day of Valentine's Day. Um, I don't think I've ever been in church on Valentine's Day before. And obviously, when we think of Valentine's Day, it's a it's a day between you know spouses and, and couples, and get to sh- we get to share that love together. Um, but most importantly. Today, we get to share in this love together as a church, because even though there's a whole lot of different loves out there in this world, the best love that we have, and as, as a group of people where we get to meet and we get to celebrate, is a love that Christ has for us. Now, this love is, is a love that is not manifested in us apart from Christ. This is a love that has been in Christ for all of eternity, and it's a love that He loves us so fiercely that He came down to earth, He put on flesh. And he lived a life that you and I can't live. And he died a death that, that we deserve. We deserve to be punished and judged for our sin. And the greatest news of all is that Jesus was risen on the, on the third day. And he holds all authority over sin, death, and the grave. And we get to celebrate that. This is, this is the love that separates our love that we have in Christ from the rest of the world. And we get to celebrate this as a church. And so I'm just so excited. Um, if you're new here today, uh, welcome. And also online as well with us. It's okay if you feel a little nervous because I'm newer here as well. My wife and I, Becky, we, uh, we just moved to the upstate a couple of months ago. And uh, we've been coming to Origin since December. And I have permission from Becky to share this uh, little story. Uh, the first Sunday that we um, came here, we were both pretty nervous. And um, Becky admitted that she was a little bit more nervous than usual, and she had almost introduced herself to a couple of you by Zach. She, used to inter- she almost introduced herself as Zach, as my name. And so we, we chuckled about that in community group, um, but just the love that um, our new family, our church family here has shown us has just been, has just been tremendous. And so I'm excited to get into this. We're going to be in John, or 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to be continuing through. We're going to be starting in verses 13. And we'll be going all the way through, through verse 21. Now, a common theme that, that John is writing to his friends, all right, this letter that's going to his dear friends, he calls them beloved, they're very close to him. He's reminding them of this love that has been originated, all right, it's been originated in Christ, it's been perfected or fully expressed in Christ on the cross, and it's been sustained and will be sustained forever. He says, this love, friends, if you have this love in your heart, and you abide in God and, a God, and God abides in you. And not only does God abide in you and you abide in God, but you can love one another as I have loved you, as I have called you to love. And in the midst of John um, reminding his friends of this, he's also warning them of some, some people inside the church or some people inside the community who claim that they know God, all right? He claims that they might claim that they know God and that they have a relationship with God, but yet the way that they don't love their neighbor, the way that they don't love one another, shows that they really don't have a relationship with God. Because the only way we can love in a way that God loves is if he lives in us. And so he's reminding them of that today, and I think that's a good point for us to start. Now, where we're going today, and the two things that I would love for us to, to walk away from, from this time together, is that in God's love, we can have a healthy fear. All right, I know when you hear the word fear, you think, Okay, fear isn't good. Well, fear can be good if it's brought about the right person and the right kind of love. We can have a healthy fear. A fear 
in God from his love. It's been originated, sustained, and sustained and perfected in Christ. A fear, I guess, if, if, if you think of um, your parents growing up or somebody that you can confide in, all right? And if you mess up or, or if you do something dumb, I, I do something, I, I do dumb stuff all the time, and I'm thankful that I have a great wife who's so gracious with me. And, uh, but somebody who you respect, somebody who you are in awe with, somebody that you know that their love is not conditional based upon the way that you act and the way that you walk in life. I know if I'm impatient for one moment on the road, that Becky is still going to love me. And I know that growing up, if, 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 I, if I did something to wrong my parents, I knew that they were still going to love me, so it allowed me to freely approach them because I had a healthy fear towards my parents. Now, an unhealthy fear might look like, you know, you're, you're, you have a substitute teacher, and they write your name on the board, and for some reason, substitute teachers always use markers that don't erase, and so you're worried about it. The whole day you're trying to erase your name, it doesn't get erased. You're afraid of the, the, the teacher coming in the next day, your, your main teacher, and she's going to discipline you. You're going to get a detention or expelled or well, hopefully not expelled, but either way, that is an unhealthy type of fear, and, and John's going to kind of point these two things out. Now, when he uses the word fear in this passage, it's going to sound very negative, but if you look at the Greek translation, this, this word fear can be used either positive or negative. And so we're going to look at those two today. Um, but before we jump into God's word, I need to pray because it is not me who is speaking to you guys, but we are hearing from the God of this universe. So let's go to him in prayer. God, we, uh, we're just so we're thankful to, to join together today um, amidst this crazy year and um, so many things going on only in our, our world and our country, but even in our own personal lives, God. And you remind us on, on, a, on a simple day like Valentine's Day of the love that you have for us. And we are so unworthy of it. But God, I just pray for these next couple of moments that you would just remove distractions from our, our hearts and from our minds and just help us live in our relationship with you, God, to where we, as followers of you, we can be challenged and God, we can move on out of here equipped and ready to do your work and in deeper relationship with you. And God, I pray for, for those who don't have a relationship with you, God, that this word would, would change their heart, that you would move in their heart, plant seeds in their heart, God, and use this so that we could plant seeds in our city. I pray this in your name. Amen. So starting off in verse 13, right before this, John is, is reminding again his friends that, you know, let us love one another. And if we love one another, it shows that we abide in God and that God abides in us. And he says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, then God abides in us and his love is being perfected in us. And so in verse 13, he says, by this, all right, by this truth, we know that we abide in him and he in us. Or in other words, we remain in God and God remains in us in us, because he has given us of his spirit, his Holy Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us, that God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. In verse 17, by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence, church, we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in the world. 
Now, I know when you read through that, there, there's a lot of stuff going on. We, we, see, we see spirit, we see father, we see son, we see abide, we see being perfected in love. There's a lot of things going on. And before we can get to the healthy fear of this, we have to first understand specifically what makes God so good so where the love, the love that comes from him and abides in us and us in him allows us to have a healthy fear towards him. Okay, John, John is someone who walked with Jesus. He physically walked with Jesus. And, and he says that in here, I believe, in verse 14, he says, and we have seen and testify of who this Jesus is. And he describes that, that the God that we worship is a God who is three persons in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, co-equal, eternal, together, living in perfect fellowship, perfect community together. And through this love, this is what's amazing. Is this God that we can't even fully describe? He wanted to have a relationship with us, his creation, even though we have wronged his law, even though we have walked in um, the opposite direction of what he has called us to walk in. And the Father, John says, he testifies, the Father has sent the Son, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? And Jesus walked this earth and he lived a life that we could not live. And he died a death we, we deserve. And then he rose from the grave. He's saying we testify to this that the Father, that the Father has sent the Son. And whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, then God abides in him and he in God. So if we confess in our hearts, we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths that Jesus is in fact God in the flesh, God the Son sent from God the Father to redeem us. When Jesus left and went back up to heaven after he rose again, he sent his Holy Spirit down to us who confess him. So that way, God no longer resides in a physical temple, but God resides in our hearts as the church. From Africa to the United States to Canada, it's basically where I'm from. It's far away from here. All across the world, God has made his dwelling place in our hearts. How beautiful and how great is that love. And this, this allows us this allows us to fear him in a healthy way. That's important because John says, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. Because of who God is in his perfect love and because he extends relationship to his people, we desire relationship. And because we have a relationship with God, we as Christians, we can be confident on the day of judgment. You know, as Paul says, man, I want to be with God so bad. I, I, I don't want to be here on earth, but, but if I do need to be on earth, I, I'm joyful to do the work here, but I want to be so bad with God in heaven. Paul knew what, what was awaiting him before the throne. Paul knew the relationship he had in Jesus and what Jesus had did for him. And for us, we can be confident as Christians before the throne of God. We can be excited for the day of judgment. Why? Because there's nothing that we have done, there's nothing we have done to earn God's love for us, but because Jesus died for us. And back here you'll see John chapter 5, I believe it's verse 24. This is Jesus speaking on the authority of the Son of God, and Jesus tells his friends, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. 
He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Those of us who have confessed Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus, we have spiritually gone from death to life. And even though we will one day meet a physical death, in an instant, we will see Christ and we will be with him for eternity. We can have confidence on the day of judgment. But what does this mean for us now? 2020 and 2021 has been, been a wild year, I know, for, for our family. And there, there have been moments to where small glimpses of fear and anxiety has crept into to, to our household, and we just didn't really know what was next in certain situations with a lot of different circumstances. But this healthy fear towards God allows me to say, God, you are good. God, you are holy. God, you are set apart from all other things, all other beings, all other persons. God, you are perfect, and because of who you are and because of what you have done for me, I will submit to you. I will surrender to you. I will trust you even through these circumstances, even if the circumstances never get better. If you look at Joshua and Israel, before Joshua meets this, or, or, or goes into this land and leads Israel into this land, remember, it's been hundreds and hundreds of years that they've been waiting to get into this land, and, and, and God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. Now, a lot of us can easily take that. I know myself at times I took that text and I'm like, oh, I can be strong and courageous in my circumstance. But what God is saying, be strong and courageous in my commands— as you go into a different environment that is unlike the way that I have called you to live. And in the same way for us, we can be strong and courageous. We can fear God, not that our circumstances would get better, but that inside of our circumstances, we would continue to trust God, grow closer to Him, and be a light to those around us who don't know God. And that, and that can look like a lot of different situations for all of us in here today. But we can have a, a healthy fear towards God, a healthy fear that only comes from a love that is originated, perfected, and sustained in Jesus Christ. So ask yourself, what does this look like for you? And this week, is you walk personally with Jesus? I know for me, it means I can fear God in a loving way, which means I can come to him daily. I can confess, I can repent, and I can draw closer, I can preach the gospel to myself, and I can move forward each and every day excited for the day when either Jesus returns or I meet him face to face in heaven. And while I'm here on earth, the best thing I can do is I can love those around me. Because this is what John has, has, is, is calling his readers, is calling the people he knew, and this is what we are being called to do through this text, is to love one another. Because God's love can't be contained, Right? God who is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God who, the Father who sent His Son, and the Son who sent His Spirit to live in us, can't be contained that if we have a relationship with Jesus, we are going to love one another because of the healthy, fearful love, the fearful, obedience love that we have for God. I've been able to see a lot of reconciliation in, in parts of my family throughout the years because God has reminded me that I have more in common with a fellow sinner than I do with a holy God. And through this, through this fearful obedience to God, it has allowed me to approach people in my family and reconcile things. And I've seen God change not only my heart, but my family's heart. And it's been amazing to see that I can love one another, not because I have any strength or power to do so, but because God has the strength and power to do so. And he showed that on the cross, and he continues to show that. So this is what a healthy fear looks like in God when we have a relationship with Jesus. 
But now we're going to go to the negative side, the, the negative fear. This is, this is a letter also that, that John is writing to people, all right? He's writing to folks, and he's saying, look, there are people amongst you who don't have a relationship with God, and as I stated before, it's because they don't love one another. It is shown in the way that they hate one another, that they, they deny fellow Christians to come into the church. They're denying who Jesus is. People say they have a relationship with God, but then when John lists who God is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that breaks down for some and they deny that. John is saying beware of these people and you will see that they don't have a relationship with God because of the way that they lack to love people. Now I want to encourage us because when I first hear this, I'm like, man, there's been so many times in my life where I haven't loved people well. Like, what does this mean for me? Well, there's a difference between Christians who, who sin against a fellow brother or sister, and in that moment or in that time, God convicts them through the Holy Spirit and draws them to go and seek reconciliation with their brother or sister. Right? That is God's love being shown in broken people. What John is saying here about unbelievers who, who say they're Christians but they're not, he's saying that these people live a life full, a whole life of hate, of bitterness, of maybe trying to be the best that they can be for God. And they never repent of it, but they live a full life of this, showing that they don't have a relationship with God because of a lack of repentance. And so we see that here, picking back up in verse 18. And John says, there is no fear in love. Now remember, fear can be used good or bad. So when he's using this specifically for bad, he says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. And if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, then he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that whoever loves God must also love his brother. So John, again, flips the script and he shows us, look, there is such a thing as an unhealthy fear. This unhealthy fear in people's lives may look like bitterness. It may look like consistent anger throughout one's whole life. It may look like trying to live a life so perfect so that way when you can stand before God, you can pull out your Christmas bag of good works and you can say, hey God, look at all the good things I've done. Well, what we don't understand, or what we do understand from Scripture, is that when we try to approach God in that way, what we pull out is instead of our good works is filthy rags, because they do not match up to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, because He is the standard. And so an unhealthy fear of bitterness, and that's kind of what that looks like in some, this makes them feel fear on the day of judgment. Because even though they know they can't work for God's favor, they continue to try and try and try and try. And I've been there. Before I met Jesus, I was trying to do that. And even after I met Jesus and I was saved after high school, when I was going through the army, there was a lot of times where I was like, God, there's so much craziness going on around me. I'm just going to continue to try to do, 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 and be the best person I can be for you. And God had to remind me that I am not perfect. I will never be perfect. And the reason why I have a relationship with him one of the reasons why I have a relationship with him is to show that I can't be perfect, that I need to lean on him for his grace and his mercy every single day and his forgiveness. And so a bad fear can look like a life lived of, of legalism, which makes 
these fellow brothers as he's speaking about hateful towards others because others aren't living up to what they think their expectations should be. And so John continues on and he says, there are some who say, I love God. Or if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, then he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. You see, if, if we have this relationship with Jesus extended to us, and the Holy Spirit's living in us, then his love can't be contained. We won't hate our brother. And if we do make mistakes, we will seek reconciliation. We will seek from forgiveness from them. This is what a bad fear looks like. So, so we have a good fear and we have a bad fear. And the Bible has examples for both. If, if you look at um, Rahab in the Old Testament, she had good fear. She trusted God. She, she hid the spies as they came into Jericho. And the, the, the spy, or not the spies, but the guardsmen got sent out and they're looking for them. She hid the spies and she said, look, I already know that the Lord has given this over into your hands. We heard about the works and everything he's done in Egypt. She was a woman who had trusted in God. This is a good fear that she had. Look at Abraham and the good fear that he had towards God. Then we look at some of the biblical examples of bad fear and we see, we see Adam and Eve in the garden, right? After they sin, God comes looking for them and he said, where are you guys? And, and Adam is hiding because not only is he physically exposed now because of sin, but he's spiritually exposed. He's exposed in his sin. And he knows that he can't live up to God's standard. Or if you look at, John literally says here, it talks about this in chapter 3, about Cain and Abel. Cain's sacrifices to God were done out of a selfish heart, a bad fear kind of heart, of legalism, trying to do the right thing. And he was jealous of his brother Abel because his brother Abel had a good fear towards God, gave the right sacrifices to God. And God Welcome to sacrifices, not because they were Abel's, but because they were done out of a heart that was connected with God, that had a relationship with God. And Cain obviously grew bitter of this, hated his brother literally, and murdered him. We see these, these different scales of, of good fear and of bad fear. And I guess the final, the final marks on this would be that good fear looks like us obeying the great commandment, and bad fear looks like us disobeying the great commandment. Mark 12, uh, verses 29 through 31, I believe that we have that up here as well. Again, I, I feel like Jesus' whole ministry was him um, trying, or people were trying to trap him in things. People were trying to get him in sticky situations, and this group called the Sadducees were arguing, arguing with him. And as they were arguing with him and trying to trap him, the, the scribe comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, well, you know, what, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? And this is Jesus' response. Jesus answered, he said, the most important is, hear, O Israel, this is straight out of God's law, the Lord our God is, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. If we have God in us, then we must love one another. This verse is not separate, but it's hinged together. God's love can't be contained in us. If we have his love in us, we must love one another. And I know that's, that's a big part of what brought Becky and I and Cooper, even though he doesn't know yet because he's a baby, he will know one day, to origins is because of the way 
this church loves the brother and the sister and the city. To see the heart and to hear the heart and to be a part of it now and to see the way that we love the city and the way that we, we, we approach people and we pursue people for Christ, living out the great commandment. This is something that we know that we fall short of, that we can't do on our, that we can't do on our own. We can only do with the strength of Christ because Christ lived loving God perfectly. And he extends that relationship to us so we can do that as well. Knowing that we can go to him in good fear, good fearful obedience, that he'll forgive us and that he will continue to walk with us. And sometimes forgiveness, there's consequences. If you mess up, there's still consequences, but there, there is still forgiveness that we have in Christ that we can continue to walk forward. And so on this day of Valentine's Day, as, as, we, as we celebrate in whatever way that we do, Let's, let's, let's kick it up a notch. and maybe, maybe there's a family member in our household or a neighbor on our street or somebody in our city that we can extend this selfless love to. That we can extend this love where, that, that John shows us in this passage so that others may have every opportunity to see, hear, and respond in the gospel. Because what would it look like for our church not just physically here to get bigger, but the kingdom of God to grow through the faithfulness that we do with the Spirit in us. So let's love God, let's love our neighbor, and let's do it with cheerful hearts. Let's pray. God, we, we love you, um, but we love you because you first loved us. God, there, there is no uh, works in us that we can do that will earn your love or your favor. So God, I, I just pray that as we go throughout this week, um, you would just help us love you more, help us receive your love more, and God, help us love one another. Help us love our brothers and our sisters inside this building well this week. Help us love our city well this week. Help us love our neighbors and our family members well this week, God. Carrying our crosses every single day and displaying the glory of your Son, Jesus, everywhere we go. We praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen.